Let's, uh, let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for the time in your word. We'd ask that you bless us in it. In your son's name, amen. <clears throat> okay, um, we're not a church that has what's called a confessional, where you go to a little box and you sit in it and you talk to the priest and tell you you're sorry about things. Forgive me, Father, if I have sinned. But sometimes it says, you know, confess your sins one to another. And uh, I may have sinned last night at a party. Nick Rozier threw it. Nick Rozier's from Texas. Nick Rozier believes that excess in deep frying is the order of the day. So, there was a fried turkey. There was, I don't know, 40 pounds of deep fried wings. There was probably 40 pounds of deep fried French fried potatoes, deep fried pickles. Um, and then they spread it all out and we ate it. That's where the sin comes in. And uh, after dinner, they heated them up again and deep fried Twinkies and deep fried Snickers and deep fried Oreos wrapped in bacon. The Twinkies were really good. Midway through this, I, I, I was a divided soul because um, I looked at Nick and he was pulling things in and out of his deep fryer and, and I said, sir, you are going to hell. He was pleased. <laughs> but then the other guy, a guy named Carson, I was frying up the french fries, and I was eating the fries as they were coming out of the hot grease, sprinkled with half sugar, half seasoned salt. <laughs> and I just thought he was an angel straight from God. So in one part of my mind, I was thinking that Nick was going to be damned eternally for what he was doing. And the other, just it was like the angels. So of light. So you can understand my, my confusion over my lusts. We staggered home down the alley, it was just down the alley, and I had to have another cigar just to clear my head. But it got me thinking, John and Kenny were there at the party. John had leaned over at one point in the, I think he had to you know, push aside some wings to see me. And uh, he said, this is going to be a sermon illustration, isn't it? <laughs> and yes, it is. Because it got, it, the fact that he said that, so, yeah, uh, humorous, funny moment, sermon illustration. And, but it got me thinking. And I started thinking about those two threads that you sort of feel, this is a violation of all that is holy. This is excess. This is too much of a good thing. Which I think... That's how you define a Presbyterian, the belief that somewhere, someone is having a good time. Over on the other side, more liberal end of things, I guess, the sense that this is wonderful. Sometimes the new Puritans, the people who don't like to see anybody have enough, or more than enough, there's a sense of uh, uh, wrongdoing when you have abundant provision. 
So I was thinking about this and going, well, what, what do I, what do I do with abundance? What do I? Do? It's, it's a Bible word, you know that, but that's the thread of these passages I've pulled out. And I'm wondering if we have a problem uh, with abundance that it gets in our way. Um, Luke 12, right here at the top, 13. One of the multitude said to him, Teacher, bid my brother divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, that's Jesus, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of all covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. We take a passage like that, and it hangs abundance out to dry, basically. You sort of feel that that in the agreement of the rest of the world. There's a magazine called Simple Life. I want to read Architectural Digest, because Architectural Digest, that's the ostentatious life. That's, ah, Versailles. Uh, you get to, that's what the inside of it looks like. Simple Life is that... A, very, a beautiful, grim reality. You know, it's a... I don't know what they spend on it, but they, they get very little for what they spend. But there's a notion of the simple life, the Spartan existence. There's also a Gnostic denial that has threaded its way through Christianity for centuries, millennia, that uh, suggests to you that the material stuff is uh, evidence that you're not really spiritual. I'm, I'm reading through uh, uh, Name of the Rose again. My wife had just finished it and it's been 30 years since I read it, so reading it again. One of the major tensions in this tale of the 1300s is between the, um, the papacy and the bishops and the extreme wealth and the spirituals out of the Franciscan order and the, the, they're each calling each other heretics and of course, the rich ones were burning the poor ones at the stake. Always a tension in, in religious circles about the idea of abundance of stuff. We even like to think that somehow our, um, our Native American brethren, uh, who lived a life of simplicity and savagery, the, the whole sense that that was a nobility, that somehow living off the land, day-to-day -day subsistence, hunter-gatherer life, is somehow nobler, more righteous. And we see things like this, the abundance of his possessions. And in some ways, all those things can have their valuable element. You, you want a simpler life so you can attend to more important things. The, the Gnostics were just, you might say, wrong in their theology. You could say they were, uh, they were damning that which was material, but their whole desire was that they become more spiritual. And that's what, obviously what I'm going to recommend to you by the end of the sermon, right? Become, I'm not going to say, let's all go to Walmart after church and buy stuff on credit. There is a, 
a myth that we like about it. And there's a reason the myth is likable, but there's also what starts to happen is the concept of abundance starts to be tainted. You start to... My wife and I... She's got... A, can I use the as a sermon illustration? Can I get permission? Um, waste. Okay. I have a philosophy. My wife doesn't agree with it. Never has. We're praying. We're praying our way through this difficulty. My, my philosophy is waste is the key to affluence. Some of you are going, oh, my heart. <laughs> I have been chewed out on my own yard by some hippie old woman who didn't think I was recycling enough as I was putting the trash out. You know, and some woman comes up and yells at me for not sorting my garbage. I'm a gentleman, for heaven's sake. Once it becomes garbage, I don't, I'm not supposed to think about it. But waste is key to affluence. Now, my wife is a very organized woman who is probably surviving today because she doesn't. But I live in a state of perpetual waste. Now, but I should consequently have that rather facetious notion, and, and we always joke about our difference on the matter. But excess tends to repel people. They seem to think there's a moral problem to it. When you have more than you need. Right? Somehow it is evil for you to have X or 12X when you only need 1X and there are people in the world with half X. Right? Doesn't Excess is a moral problem to people. But that's not what our Lord was saying. He gives the parable right after this of the rich fool. I didn't have room to put it all in, and I didn't want to go over it, and I've been in that passage not too recently. So I wanted to pop into verse 21. So is he who lays up treasure for himself. And for those people who are against excess and don't like to see people with a jet ski, they, they feel better about that. But then it says, and is not rich towards God. This is not a sermon about how for the, the wealth of American consumerist society can justify itself. You might get that out of it, but that's not what it's about. What I'm more concerned about is us demonizing excess so that when we're told to be excessive, we don't. Because the problem ain't with treasure or the abundance. The problem is for himself and not towards God. Because verse 34 says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We don't really get to decide if we're going to have a treasure. We don't really get to decide whether we got don't in our life, in our... My wife and I were driving between parties yesterday, driving around town looking for the next party. And uh, I saw a guy 
I think we were driving over your, uh, Henry's place for your party, Phil. And I drove through a neighborhood that I don't normally go through. There's a guy sitting out on the stoop with a cigarette. And I looked at the wife and said, what do, what do people think about at those? A lot of people go outside, smoke a cigarette. They got to do it. They got to break away, go work, home, whatever else. A lot of time sitting there thinking. I hope they're thinking. But your whole life, you're not catatonic. Your whole life, you're about something. You're out there with your little shovel, smoking a cigarette, filling something up, filling some jar up, laying up some treasure, planning to lay up some treasure. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Now, the warning I'd like to give you morning, this morning is regarding our view of excess. Because I know a lot of Christians, and I know a lot of Christians who only step forward into question A when question A is a problem. I need this answered because for some reason now it's a problem. Now that little Johnny is 14 and telling me he hates me, I need to go talk to the pastor about childbearing. Right? I need to have a good, strong philosophy about child rearing. Then they hear about discipline. They try to crack down on the kid. Little Johnny at 14 is out the door so fast. We go to the need. Only up to what is commanded. So you're telling me I have to go to church how much? Nobody, everybody's very comfortable with not being excessive. Not knowing, of course, that treasure will be laid up regardless. But I just noticed this about Christians. Is my father, I mentioned this last few months. My father's been telling me how little he talks to a lot of, a lot of people, counsels a lot of bad situations, and a lot of people don't read their Bibles. I am not here to recommend that you do. I'm, I don't think you ought to read your Bible unless you have to. Why don't you have to? You know, there, in other words, what's going on in your head that you're busy with your little spade and your cigarette shoveling up this other jar, filling up this other thing, and not being rich towards God? I, again, far be it for me to suggest to you, you go home and read your Bibles. I would never do that. But I'd like to know why you don't. I mean, I, some people do. They seem to be saintly. Or it helps them be saintly. Do we just react to the need? Do we just go up to what is commanded? No further. Matthew 12 says, And whoever says a word against... This is right after they had suggested that Jesus Christ had the spirit of Beelzebul, and he warns them about the unforgivable sin. Okay? I don't want to talk about that. So any of you committed that, you're not going to get the answer in today's sermon. And whoever says a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers! How can you speak good when you are evil? And now for the verse quoted by my mother, nonstop, 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because she had Doug and Evan Wilson as sons. We were always smarting off, always. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We are not questioning this morning whether you can have an abundance, but whether you're just deceiving yourself when you think you can avoid abundance. Not too much religion, not too much money, not too much this, not too much that. But certainly out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Now this is the interesting thing, because when I came across this passage in the context of this thought, suddenly verse 36 and 7 took on a different... I tell you, on the day of judgment, men will render account for every careless word they utter. Huh? That really seems to be kind of retentive, kind of overly reactive. Come on, Lord, can't you have some sensible, you know, just common sense. It was careless. I didn't read anything of this. You know you've said things you didn't mean. You know, God, man, Jesus is just really... Rude, by, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And I suddenly realized that in this context, when he has just told you out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, it's not, carelessness is not a measure of God's uber precision. Excuse me, uber, uh, what's it, what was I thinking, um, He's not a stickler. Oh, you said darn. You know, darn's kind of close to damn. Probably is a replacement word for damn. <coughs> I'm Jesus. Careless words, they matter to me. That's how I always looked at it, right? No matter what, you said golly, you said gosh. You were joking, someone got their feelings hurt. Careless words. Da, da, da. And it was stacking up to me as a Jesus Christ is a stickler. Not that he isn't, but this passage isn't about that. It's about his precision. Because he knows where your treasure is, where your abundance is, the mouth will speak. He almost doesn't have to know your heart. Oh, I didn't really mean it, Lord. But you only knew my heart. <laughs> yeah, I heard your words. The rule is, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I will judge everybody by their words. Okay, now we're getting nervous this morning. Now we're getting nervous. Because treasure... If we, if we view Christianity as having an excessive category that we are not in, we don't want to pursue it excessively, 
We think we've avoided excess. We think we've avoided treasure. The nature of the treasure becomes different, that's all. I wanted to put these passages, John 10 and Romans 5, on the left-hand side in front of you. The thief, this is out of the, the parable of the good shepherd, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Hmm, abundantly. Again, another it's a Bible word. So, but get used to the idea of abundance being excess. Because that's what it is. Too much. More than you need. Romans 5, if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Then, as one man's trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to acquittal and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our Christianity is one of excess. Jesus Christ came to bring us life and bring it to us abundantly. The grace of God provided to us in Jesus Christ is so far more, much more where grace sin abound, grace abounded all the more, right? There's abundant sin, there's abundant grace, but more grace than there is sin. It's the nature of our faith to deal with treasure. It's the nature of our faith to deal with a Scrooge McDuck approach to your faith. For those of you who are not old, back when you read Disney comics, and Scrooge McDuck was always diving into his gold coinage in his big room of gold coinage and swimming around in his coins. Which anybody, and then the physics people are going, you know, if he dove into a pile of gold coins, he'd just smash his face. But in the life we want to lead, they're like styrofoam peanuts, and you just get to swim through the gold coins. That's the kind of Christianity you get. More than this. And when you realize that I'm supposed to take on abundance, I'm not supposed to deny abundance, I'm supposed to get the correct abundance. Because when I don't, one will develop. I will be filling up my pail somewhere. I don't just go into, what does the computers do? Um, shutdown mode or something? Sleep mode, yeah. See, I've met some Christians I thought were in soul sleep. but uh, they, You don't just sort of, oh, I'm not doing anything right now. I guess I'll just power down. You sit there and stare vacantly until someone asks you a question. Now, you might have that gift, but I don't think you do. You're appealing to the self somewhere. You're making laying up treasure to the self somehow. You're building, whether they're fanciful wish fulfillment castles in the sky type of grain silos, you're building silos for yourself and for your advancement. Or you're building them for the Lord. 
we have been, I remember learning years ago that it really, you didn't need to run premium gas in your car. People who always pumped that unnecessary extra dollar per gallon in there. Because most cars were designed to run on regular. And we somehow think that human life, because we realize that the truly moral among us are anti-excess, both in our consumerist society, anti-excess in our Christian society, that we're all supposed to run on regular. We're not. We're designed to run on premium as Christians. And you will fill that tank with something. Now, in Philippians 4, it says, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, what happens in the issues of abundance is because you are going to, the reason you are going to fill up the bucket, you've got these buckets that you've been given, maybe 12, 5-gallon buckets that you've got to carry around in your life, and you're going to, in your cigarette time, in your free time, in your thought time, in your what you're doing with your life. You're filling those buckets with things. You are, and you are treasuring those. Because you only got 12. And so you got to watch how you put it in there and what you're putting in there. You don't want to, you know, just put Twinkies, deep fried or otherwise, in there. They were really good. There's something about the added fat value of peanut oil. I mean, the Twinkie is just like fluffy plastic food. You add that... Do it sometime. Sin with me. Don't find that. Go to SoundCloud. You can go to SoundCloud and get this sermon. Pass it on to somebody. Don't go find that clip where Evan says, Sin with me. And put that up on your Facebook. Don't do it, I'm saying. That's not saying, oh, he probably meant to do that. I'm going to go do that. No, context. <laughs> yeah, context. I need that. I need some... People still might not like the sermon, but at least I'll have defended myself. Why do we... Why are we filling the buckets? Is it just habit? Treasure is going to be treasured. You're going to sit there with something scooped into your arms and going, this is mine. Well, you're anxious. Your life is threatened. You feel things. You don't like feeling things. You know this world's going to kill you. Someday, every single one of you, every man jack of you, is going to be dead. Because this life kills you. And that's sort of hanging back here in the back of your mind, going, I better get these buckets filled. Because I'm anxious. I've got to pay for this with, for something. I've got these things that are threatening me. If I don't have a lot of money... God says, God's approaching this differently. When you have the 12 buckets, he says, you know, you're anxious about things. Let's not fill those buckets with those things. Why don't you take your request to me? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The path of being rich towards God, I don't find myself filling the buckets with whatever inanities life offers you. Because remember the illustration of the sower, I mean not the sower, the uh, rich fool, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He wasn't filling the buckets with things. Is that me? No? He wasn't, it wasn't, uh, I suppose it would come out of my pocket if it was. Um, 
He was concerned about legitimate things. I got all this grain, where am I going to put it? Could I get a barn built? You'd look at that farm and go, good man, build a barn. He's got a lot of grain, needs barns, let's do this. Oh, what are you doing dead this morning? We will fill it with something. You will think you're innocent with what you're filling it because it's not nasty stuff. It's not like a bucket filled with methamphetamines. It's grain, you know. Stuff that some hippies will eat. It'll be organic things. It'll be healthy things. It'll be philanthropic things. I don't care what you're doing with it. We have to be getting things from God to fill the buckets with because this is a trickle-down economy. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace will be with you. You're, you're being told what kind of treasure operation you're supposed to be in. What are you supposed to value? Things that are noble, things that are true, honorable, pure, lovely, gracious. So when you're out there on the stoop with your cigarette next time, at work or at home, be thinking about what is lovely, what is true, what is honorable, things worthy of praise. Use the time wisely. You've got a bucket to fill up. You're told to think about these things. And you say, well, if I, I say this is trickle down because this is where it applies to you in your stuff. Um, I went to Christian and Lee's graduation party yesterday and and the card that Leslie bought that had all these, you know, God's blessing of you and all sorts of great things for Christian. And there was a, the card wished them so much good. There was, what, what do you put on there then? Uh, so I said, may you get a lot of stuff. Blessing of a pastor, right? Lots of stuff. What about stuff? We're sitting in the stuff of this building. We've got the stuff of these pews. You've got the stuff of your clothes. Some of you are fashionable. We've got stuff we put in our hair. We've got stuff that we spray on. We've got stuff that we drove here in. And regular gas stuff that we put in there. What about those things? Well, this is trickle down. God has not said, okay, I'll just take 10%. You can think about the stuff for 90%. Nor did he say, I'll take 50% or even a 60-40 split. He takes it all and he grants you these other things. It's a trickle-down investment. My heart is right towards gasoline or jet skis only because it doesn't hold 40% of my life. It is a gift of God has a different role in my life. It is not my treasure. If I attend to it as it alone, even if it's a small percentage, and not in light of the treasure I have in Christ, 
Well, look at this next passage in Philippians, Philippians 4.10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at like he just told you to pray about your anxieties, the peace of God will overcome you. You have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. They'd started, the Philippians had started giving to Paul's ministry. And I know that causes any congregation of people to flinch when a pastor walks over a passage that in some way could be tied to giving. Watch me. I'll just walk right by it. Not that I complain of want. For I have learned, in whatever state I am, to be content. Now look at this. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and want. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. The stuff in our life sometimes isn't there. Sometimes you can't afford the deep fried Twinkie. You can't afford to go to the movies. You can't afford to drive to Pullman because the gas is too expensive. Sometimes you're in a state of want. Other people in this world lay down and die because of their state of want. Have all ranges. But in those other areas of, that we would treasure in life, other areas that ask for our attention, oh, the needs of the downtrodden, my own needs, my own job, my own stuff, my own pleasures. Paul learned how to have a lot of it. He learned how, how to, you say, well, I don't need any help, but I have a lot of it. Right? Let's just say, I had a lot of money. And I was feeling unusually generous to you guys. And I said, so-and-so, I know you got a X amount of debts and so forth. So I'm going to pay all of them, plus give you $100,000 to do with as you please. Want any help with that? No, I don't need any help with this. I can buy what I need. Money answers everything, as Ecclesiastes says. We don't think we need help in abundance because we're thinking the abundance of stuff is the lordship in its own arena. It has measured me the good. But I'm the, it'll be the rich fool. I don't know that, that when I try to have the abundance serve me in the other areas, as if they were answering a percentage of my life, I could be dead tomorrow, and then where will my barns be, and my big harvest, and all that money Evan gave me. Do you know how to have abundance? We know Jesus Christ will help you through the hard times, right? You're on your knees praying. Dear Lord Jesus, the kids only have rice. I grew up in a home like that. We prayed in the Lord's provision. We had to ask God for tonight's dinner, not when it was sitting steaming on the table, but when we didn't have any money to buy it. So we all understand that, because that's kind of, you know, that's, that's anxiety, so forth and so on. Paul has learned plenty, abundance, abounding. I know how to do this. I know how to do this 
because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is your treasure Jesus Christ who strengthens you? You will be judged. Uh, we, we, you're easily, you might say, you're easily spotted. Jesus is not going to have much of a problem. He'll just, you know, send an angel down, follow you around for a day, just, you know, within earshot, about 12, 12 and a half feet, listening. Just all you got to do is listen. How do you talk to the cashier at Walmart? What do you talk to your friends about? Your casual stuff. Not when you're, you know, in a big conversation about theology where you're arguing about things. But you know, that's how you, how you deal at the gas station. I want you to know that God's abundance, if I focus on it, trickles down to helping me handle lack and abundance in all the material things. If I don't do it this way, the world's abundance can't promise you even tomorrow. If I concentrate on whatever the abundance is, it could be education, it could be sophistication, it could be money, it could be stuff, it could be personal passions, it could be all sorts of things that you are believing you need to treasure up and hoard and fill your buckets with. It can't promise you even tomorrow. And the only thing doesn't matter if tomorrow isn't yours is to die in Christ. I did the right thing today with nothing. I did the right thing today with something, and I'm dead. If I die, having started with treasuring Christ, all things, or as C.S. Lewis says this, I think, a number of places, I think it's in the Four Loves primarily where he's talking about uh, the, the greater always includes the lesser. And our treasuring these other things does not include peace. Even if you survive, I committed myself to filling the buckets with stuff and money, retirement, whatever it is. Okay, I'll see you at retirement. I'll have a chat with your kids, your grandkids. I'll have a chat with your life. I'll look at what you've been given. Were you able to buy something higher than money with it? No. It warns the rich in this world, 1 Timothy 6, 17. This is a reminder for those who want to have this, you know, uh, Occupy Wall Street sort of notion, fist in the air, one percenters. Uh, this big, big sort of uh, political nonsense going on about, um, what are they called? The inequalities. Well, this doesn't, we, we as Christians shouldn't care about that. We should care about the poor, we should care about the rich. We should have advice for the rich. We should have right advice for the poor. As for the rich of this world, Paul doesn't go all ballistic on them because he has learned how to be abound. He has learned how to have plenty in Christ and he wants to encourage them, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but on God who richly furnishes us with everything to enjoy. Again, the trickle-down. I should not focus on my uncertainty of the money, the stuff, all the rest. I happen to have a lot of stuff. But I need to be over here focused on what God has given because he's the kind of God that has given you all that stuff to enjoy. 
Because he is merciful to you in abundance. He's merciful to you in want. When you have want, you're able to rejoice in him because he is Lord of all. And when you have stuff, you say, thank you, Lord, for the stuff, for the sugar-coated french fries. Important things to me. They're to do good, to be rich in good deeds, liberal and generous, thus laying up for themselves a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life, which is life indeed. Remember our Lord promised earlier in the sermon that he came to, that we might have life and life abundantly. So what I want you to do is rethink your order of the universe. Rethink that we're all going to be about stacking up that which is valuable. That's why we get judged by what we say, because God knows what's valuable to you. Remember, the abundance of your heart, mouth speaks. He's listened to what you say. You'll be judged by what you say, no matter how idle, because it's revelatory. We know we're going to do this. Let's cling to riches. Let us cling to treasure. Let's get our ordinating, ordinating our ordinances, the ordinate values of the universe, correct. You don't have the right structure of things. God, you won't know where to pile up riches. What kind of riches to pile up. But when you do, once you embrace the idea of piling stuff up, one, there's a warm feeling that, ah, ambition. I can get a lot of this stuff. What's the stuff I'm supposed to get, Pastor? Well, righteousness. Walk with the Lord, knowledge of God and the things holy, the noble things, the good things, the pure things. Do you understand God's universe? Do you understand more than you need to? Because that's the kind of God we have. That's, it's abundant life. It's grace abounding. We're investing in something. We get then a rate of return, if you want to think in terms of investments. And God pays out, uh, somebody used the term, uh, uh, we were arguing that rather loudly at drones about profit and the concept of profit. And uh, somebody pointed out that Amazon doesn't make a profit. Yeah, sure they don't. Well, they don't pay dividends to their holders of stock. God does. He pays out dividends you didn't expect. You get the reward of being rich in Christ, but that's you trying to get as much of Jesus Christ as you can get. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who by the power at work within us by the power at work within us, is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, that's our God. He's ready to pay out on this investment far more than you were imagining you were going to get.
But you've got to have a love of abundance. You've got to have a love of excess. You've got to have an understanding that this trickles down into your wealth and into your poverty in such a way that you rejoice and enjoy both your wealth and your poverty because the richness you have in Jesus Christ. And as you look at yourself, there's all sorts of variations. God is not a, just a... There are people who think about him somewhat a lot, and people who think about him an awful lot, and think about him nothing at all. So we know we've got gradients. God is not going to operate just in terms of an on-off switch on this. But listen to yourself talk. Again, at some of these graduation parties, you began to realize what kind of conversation was coming out of people's mouths by choice. Not that they were saying bad words, that Christians shouldn't hear. But you heard people talking about their diets, a lot about their diets. I didn't run into any talking about CrossFit. I've heard of CrossFit, but people into CrossFit seem to talk about it a lot. I think they burn a candle in front of an idol of a barbell somewhere. They're, they're really worky, worky outy sort of people. What are, you, what are you talking about? Your romance? Your job? The future? Where your mouth is, that's where your heart's been. We've, we've truncated out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Everything you say you'll be judged by. What's coming out of your mouth? Oh, I know you're a sincere Christian. I know you really believe. But have you decided to have that true belief only be 10, 20% of your life and your conversation? The rest of it devoted to other things. You're not becoming rich towards God. Some people think, I'm just not going to be outstanding in anything. I'm, just not, going to be, I'm not going to insist on a lot of money. I'm not going to get over spiritual. I'm not going to do anything. A different kind of arrangement of self. It's still treasuring something that isn't what God told you to treasure. We're supposed to invest ourselves. We're supposed to try to get a return. We've got instructions about what to do. And you have to realize that everybody knows who you are. Kind of. Just like Jesus. You're getting judged by what you talk about. And I always say, well, people shouldn't be judging me. <laughs> you're, you're asking for it. You open your mouth, you're asking for it. What's that old phrase? Was it Lincoln? Proverb somewhere, I don't know, about better to be thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Those are notions we have. People are going to talk about you, or they're going to think about you, and they're going to be right, probably, about you. What would they describe you as? A little definition, city guide, notable figures in Moscow. Evan Wilson. He sure talks a lot about deep fried onion rings. It's my God, my belly. That brings us full circle to deep fried things. But to him, the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. You are patient with us. You are there 
to fill up our treasures. You are there to give us more than we work for, dividends we couldn't imagine. The whole fullness of your son um, is something we should find and we should trust you to illuminate us to your good gifts of wealth, your good gift of poverty, your good gift of in-between, that we know how to do it because we are rich in you and rich in your son. Help us pick our treasure more wisely. In your son's name, amen.